This is an elementary school in Jefferson County, Colorado, and they're running an evacuation drill. So these look like first graders, maybe. I'll find out. Um, they could be practicing for something like a fire or for someone with a gun inside the school. Are you all like third graders over here? We're kindergartners. Kindergartners? You're the biggest kindergartners I've ever seen. But it's not at all chaotic. The kids are actually calm. Give me five. No, I got nothing. <laughs> all right. All right. Good job. Um, for them, probably like most kids in America, this kind of drill is, is normal. You gotta wash your hands after this. Um, so much of how and why they are practicing for shooters is because of something that happened in this same school district 20 years ago. I'm Jessica Contrera, and I'm a reporter at The Washington Post. And this is All Told. So I have spent the last few years uh, helping out with our coverage of, of a bunch of different school shootings. Um, and, and every time, you know, you hear people talking about how do we stop this kind of violence from happening? A lot of the response usually involves something about what they call target hardening. You know, we can arm teachers, we could add more locks, we can have more cameras, that kind of thing. That has been going on for years at the Jefferson County Public School System. This is the district that includes Columbine High School, this school that's famous for what happened there in April of 1999. Two of the students from the senior class entered the school one morning, a few days after prom, with guns and explosives. They killed 12 of their classmates and one of their teachers before taking their own lives. That shooting really launched this country into a whole internet-fueled age uh, of gun violence, of school gun violence. And while they have been target hardening, they've also been taking a different approach. They've built an incredibly sophisticated school security system that aims not only to be prepared for shootings, but to find ways to prevent them from ever happening in the first place. And it's seen by law enforcement as a model for the rest of the country. Well, nice job, everyone. So if you ask, uh, how, how does this system work? Um, in this school district that they call Jeffco. Everybody points to this one guy. For those of you that, that don't know me, I'm John McDonald, the executive director for the Department of School Safety. Uh, the one thing I saw today, and the only, the only piece of advice I'd have because I love the orderly process. John is 50 years old. He used to work in security for an airline, and before that he was a police officer. So in 2008, he, he saw this job opening with Jeffco, um, and his daughter was getting ready to go into the seventh grade, where he and his now ex-wife were living at the time meant that his daughter was going to go to Columbine High School. He knew he would worry if she was going to be safe there every single day. And so applying for that job, I think, made him feel like he could do something about it. For everybody, this is Jessica. She's with The Washington Post. We're here to brag about you all. So I spent time out in Colorado observing John for a couple of days in March, right before the 20th anniversary of the Columbine shooting. And I watched right. Jeffco's security at work. 
The district is almost like a small city. It has more than 150 schools and 76,000 students. And like every school district, it has a lot of safety and security issues. Uh, kids in a particular school are hiding the vaping instruments in the zippers of their pants. Mm. They're, if they're getting that sophisticated, uh, time for us to really pay attention. But much of what they do is a direct result of what went wrong in 1999. One of the tactics that they came up with for helping to keep the district safe was to create a dispatch center that's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Bob, can you pull up that camera uh, top middle? Yeah. The walls are covered with TVs. There's lots of jargon being tossed around the room. It looks like any other 911 dispatch center you have for a county or a city, except this is for a school district. So the calls that come here. That's everything. It's every 911 call. It's made from a school. Also, it rings in here. Every threat comes in here. Um, you're a missing kid. Everything. Mm-hmm. And then once we're on scene, mm-hmm. this is the nerve center. This is where they're right. moving resources and people for us and, and making calls. And, right. Um, parents are calling in. And it's, it, it's pretty chaotic. Right, right. We're in the law enforcement radio network, so okay. we have access to law enforcement channels. Mm-hmm. Law enforcement has access to our channels. Right. It's, and communication's that critical. That was something that uh, uh, in 99 that there was a problem, right? Yeah. That where they didn't have... There's no communications. Thank you. Bye. What do you got? A student throwing chairs around in the hallway. Where at? Dispatch to all units. We have a 911 uh, juvenile problem with a student throwing chairs in the hallway. Aside from these 911 calls and reports coming into the dispatch center, John's phone is constantly going off with calls and messages all about safety issues. Holy cow, how do they get 10, 10 messages since we walked in here? On top of those, he gets these alerts from this program called Safe to Tell with a number two. It's an anonymous reporting system that's used throughout Colorado. And every tip that somebody puts in there about something suspicious or concerning, anything that has to do with the Jefferson County School District, it comes to him. So all of the safety tells that are, so not, there aren't a specific subset that come to you. All it's of all of them come to you, and you. they all come through email. Yeah. Unless, unless the dispatch center is going to call you right. to alert you well, they, they come across email no matter what. Okay. Um, 24 hours a day. Okay. John and people throughout the school district look at every single one of these tips that comes in. Any one of them could be, you know, an early warning sign that could help them prevent violence in the future. And these anonymous alerts have become a window into the complicated, difficult lives of students. So yeah, you saw all the safety tells? Yeah. <laughs> and so... <laughs> it's just insane. All right. And this is last week, for example. So this is plan party, suicide, threat, drugs, uh-huh. drugs, uh, depression, depression... Child abuse, um, drugs, 
welfare check on child abuse, um, suicide threats, child abuse, bullying, child abuse, suicide threats. You see a pattern here. School complaint, um, depression, anger issues, assaults, ditching. I like that, ditching. Now, that's the one the cops don't have to get involved in. That's a school one. Unsafe driving, suicide threats, anger issues, uh, cutting, smoking tobacco. A lot of reports on smoking tobacco. Prank call. Sometimes kids call in and you misuse the system. That's an irritation. Huh. Bullying. Depression. So, I mean, and do you read them all? Oh, yeah. Why? Um, well, I, I feel like um, if I don't read them, the potential for something to be missed is there, and that's unacceptable. Um, but I also really believe in redundancy of the uh-huh. program uh-huh. to make sure that we're paying attention to um, everything happening in the environment. Okay. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Oh, you know, living the dream. I was, one of our schools was uh, pretty close to that uh, Lakewood active shooter yesterday. Yeah, that sounded like it was a fun time. Man, that was, I'll tell you that, I'm so proud of everybody out there. They did remarkable work. That, they they really, I mean, that was, that was I, it was a lot of rounds being fired out there. So, it's crazy. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial monarchmoney.com slash podcast later on this trip to Colorado John drove me to the source of one of Jeffco's biggest security concerns alright that's he drives to Columbine Columbine pretty much always has more security issues than the other schools in the district But this year, as the 20th anniversary of the shooting approach, they were being extra, extra cautious. So when you go to Columbine, how does it make you feel? Like, is it just another school to you? Or do you end up thinking about the weight of everything? No, it's, it's for me, it's, it's it's, I wouldn't say it's just another school, Uh but it's another school. And it, you know, it's always in the 
thought process that we got risk here, right? We got we got to pay attention, very close attention to this, based on what's happening all the time. Today, you know, at other sites of school shootings, Sandy Hook, Parkland, um, the plan is tear down the building. You know, where the violence happened, you don't want it to still be there. But back in 1999, they decided to keep Columbine up, to rebuild it. And that has created an entirely different kind of security issue. Because what's happened is the building has essentially become a tourist attraction. We had two last night that drove over 100 miles at midnight on separate days to get up here in the middle of the night because they just felt inspired to be here in the middle of the night. And they couldn't wait anymore. People like this visit Columbine High School all the time. And every April, the month that the shooting happened, there's usually the most. But this year, as the anniversary got closer, the numbers really, really started to grow. Columbine had as many as 150 people showing up every month. I would call John, and he would say they had to stop 30 people on a single day. 24 on Saturday show up here that we contacted. It was unbelievable. I, I came over at number 17 because I was just hearing the radio traffic. That was constant contacts. I think seven were from out of state and three were from out of country. And mm-hmm. It was just not constant. Mm-hmm. So. Some of these people are just curious. They're passing through the area. They wanted to see this school that they know from the news. Other people come and say they want to pay their respects. But there is also an entirely different subset of people who make their way to the school. Um, were the lockers and stuff the same colors? Or are they changing? Well, same colors, but the lockers. So it's become a big thing in the dark web. Oh. Go find the locker where the killer's at. Get your picture taken by. Wait, what? Yeah. So what happens is, what do you see here? We have 666, right? Get your picture taken by this. That's on the dark web. That's supposedly what the killer's locker was, which is bull. Those lockers are long gone. Those lockers are gone. Yeah, we, yeah. Okay. But it's the weird stuff that you get. Right. And you have to deal with so when you find people sneaking in. Mm-hmm. That's what they're trying to get to. Right. Lockers. Um, the Columbine Flower. Uh, uh-huh. There's a thing on the dark web that uh-huh. get to the Columbine Flower at the front doors, kneel down and have your picture taken as you pretend to shoot. Oh, my gosh. And then post it. On the internet, Columbine has this following of people who, for some reason or another, are obsessed with the shooters and they're obsessed with the murders that they committed. For them, visiting the school is going on a pilgrimage. We've had, we had a kid that um, a few years ago from Utah that flew out here, a 15-year-old kid. He was writing a newspaper article. Parents didn't know he was gone and... and he went back home and built a bomb, and it's going to blow up his assembly. And the whole purpose of coming out here was to find out how did the school respond, not during the tragedy, but in the year and two years afterwards, and how did they remember the killers. And so once you do a deep dive, you start getting kind of to the root of what they're really asking. Because some of these people might pose a very real threat, 
John's team tries to look into all of these outsiders who come into contact with Columbine, checking whether they have a record, whether they have access to weapons, just to make sure that this person is not a threat to Columbine or to any other school. So we're walking through the school and one of the administrators approaches John and tells him that she's getting these curious emails. Um, and she's been getting more and more of them as the 20th anniversary gets closer. Each one just gets a standard email response telling them, you know, go read this book about the shootings. But for John, that's not enough to feel safe. Can you make sure when you get those, I need, those, I need you to forward those to me. There's a reason why. We look at those and we actually contact um, the school resource officers and their principals. It allows us to vet them. We check their social media, but we know who they are. Like ruining a perfectly good Ford truck by doing that to it. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> um, why take every threat seriously? Well, you don't have a choice. I mean, I, the, the, the moment you don't take it seriously, the moment you start justifying the behavior, we've seen time and time again uh, where those threats come to fruition. And, you know, one of the, one of the things that happens is people have a tendency to mitigate the level of risk and say, oh, you know, it's just so-and-so. You know how he is. He's, he's always making comments. Well, so-and-so is probably broadcasting to you what he's intending to do. Mm-hmm. And you don't get to say those things in the school environment. Right. It causes concern for other kids, causes fear, um, and you get a response like, you know, like we, we're going to provide. And kids are going to see us there. They'll see law enforcement there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so parents are going to want to know what we've done. Mm-hmm. If it gets out in the community that you had a threat and you didn't do anything, right? well, shame on you. You deserve to, you deserve to get spanked. When I spent time with John, it was very easy to see that this is more than just a job for him. So how much do you sleep? How <laughs> much? Um, probably... Five and a half, six hours max. Mm-hmm. It's it's his lifestyle. Almost twenty-four hours a day. But uh, you know, midnight, sick tail comes in. I hear it. And I'm reading it. Right. Um, I just I've, I've now told my team though, um, unless there's a gun in play or a direct threat to a school or there's imminent bodily harm or death, mm-hmm. uh, don't send me texts between one a.m. and four a.m. Okay. So that's kind of nice. Got the Is that, are you ringing? Yes. Hey, John. He's always bringing in these resources from the community and from around the country. Yeah. School security experts, psychologists, to try and help find new ways to make schools safer. Should be an interesting. All right. Well, good deal. We'll, we'll still plan on seeing you tomorrow for lunch. And if, you know, if we do get a couple feet of snow, I'll call you and we'll reschedule I wouldn't think so. I'll just pull my pull my truck out. We got a big four wheel drive. So, all right, thanks. Bye. At the end of the day, most of our kids will never know who we are. They'll never know our names. Mm-hmm. And that's perfectly okay. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't need to. But all you know, 
think we want, at least what I want, is for them to feel safe in their environment. Right. And, you know, I think that's a big, big part of this work. John's hope is that now that the anniversary is over, everybody can get back to normal. Kids can finish graduation, uh, they can go to the summer months, everybody can move past this anniversary. But for John, normal means that none of this is over. He still has to wake up every morning knowing there's probably going to be something on his phone. It's only going to be a matter of hours or minutes until the next threat comes. What's happening at Pomona? It is a safe to tell of a former student, but no one's there. We just got a call from the SRO. Is it a threat? You've been listening to All Told. I'm Jessica Contrera. This episode was produced by Dennis Funk and Bishop Sand. If you want to read more stories like these, you can visit WashingtonPost.com.